0: I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. All my wisdom, Also my wisdom re- remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Continuing from verse 24, There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God, For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting, only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Morning, everyone. Uh, My name is John, and I'll be doing the New Testament reading. It's from the Gospel of John, chapter 4. And I'll be reading verses 1 to 15. John chapter 4, verse 1. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only the disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar Ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Thanks be to God. Uh, Well, hello, everyone. Uh, Great to see you online this morning. Uh, My name is Huey and uh, I'm uh, uh, one of the pastors here at Church at Nine. Um, And uh, it's a great uh, joy and privilege um, to see you all um, and for us to be meeting together like this. Um, Can I give an especially big welcome to anyone joining us uh, for the first time this morning or if you're fairly new to our church, uh, it's great that you could join us today and uh, my hope and prayer is that uh, uh, this won't be your first time joining us but that you'll continue to join us as we uh, think about the things of God together. Um, before uh, we have a look at the, the Bible passage that uh, was just read out for us, um, let me just reiterate that after um, our, um, the formal part of our, our service this morning, uh, we're going to be having a Q&A. And so if there are any sort of questions that come up during the course of uh, this particular uh, Bible teaching session, um, or if you've had sort of questions come up in the last few weeks uh, as we've um, explored uh, you know, uh, what the Bible has to say about God's love, uh, which, was in, which was two weeks ago, and uh, the fear of death, uh, which was last week. Uh, if you have any sort of questions around those kind of uh, uh, issues or topics, then uh, you're more than welcome to ask uh, questions about that. Uh, but how about uh, we uh, uh, pray to God and I will lead us in prayer that God will help us to understand uh, his word this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us together uh, this morning and uh, we thank you um, that you are a God who speaks to us. And so we ask, Father, that you would uh, please speak to us now um, and that um, you would help us to understand the things that you say and that we would believe it uh, and be filled with all wisdom and knowledge and joy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Well, friends, I I want to begin this morning by asking you to imagine something with me. Uh, Imagine you are lying on your bed. Uh, You've had a long and tiring week of work or looking after your children. And you're looking forward to nothing more than simply curling up in bed uh, with perhaps a glass of wine and your favourite book. But then you reach over to your phone. And you notice on Facebook that some of your friends have posted up some photos. Uh, One friend who lives in London has posted a photo of a group of friends whining and dining and laughing together. Uh, Apparently, there isn't any lockdown in in London at the moment. Another friend who also lives in Europe has posted a photo of her and her family enjoying a sun-soaked holiday uh, on a beach in the Mediterranean. Still, another middle-aged friend has just posted a picture of himself on a brand-new motorbike. You tell yourself that he's just going through a midlife crisis. But somewhere in the deep recesses of your heart, you feel a strong sense of FOMO rushing through you. Suddenly, you can't think about anything else. Uh, You start to think, if only I could be uh, out tonight uh, meeting with my friends, then my life will be so much better. Or if only I could have that amazing holiday in the Mediterranean, uh, my life will not feel like such a rat race all the time. Or if, I could, if only I could have that motorbike, perhaps my life would not be as boring as it is. The sad thing is that you can now no longer enjoy curling up in bed <laughs> With your favorite glass of wine and your favorite book anymore because these thoughts are running through your head have you ever felt FOMO or the fear of missing out before Uh, i I suspect that to varying extents uh, we all have had this fear in our hearts now uh, it's not that FOMO is an entirely new thing in our world Uh, um in actual fact FOMO has been in existence since the beginning of time. But uh, it's just that in our age of Facebook and Instagram and social media, we are constantly bombarded with the best images and the best details of other people's lives in a way that raises our anxiety and uh, a fear of missing out on a level that we have never experienced uh, in previous generations. Friends, uh, what if we could have all those things that we see in other people's lives? What if we could have all those things that uh, we so desperately don't want to miss out on? Uh, What will life be like if we could have all these things, I wonder? Well, uh, in the Old Testament section of the Bible, uh, in a book called Ecclesiastes, which was the first Bible reading that we had, We meet a man who goes on what I call a pleasure experiment to experience every pleasure and every good thing that life has to offer under the sun. Now, you might say that uh, this man is experiencing a bad case of FOMO. But unlike ordinary people, this man is actually in a position to experience every pleasure that life has to offer because. He is actually a great and powerful king. Uh, in chapter 1, verse 12 of Ecclesiastes, uh, this man introduces himself by saying, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem. But you can see that he goes on this pleasure experiment uh, there in chapter 2, verse 1, can't you? Chapter 2, verse 1, this preacher king says, uh, I said in my heart, Come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. It's interesting here that the king speaks to his own heart about what will bring him ultimate pleasure and enjoyment and satisfaction in life. We do this all the time, don't we? We all have these inner dialogues with ourselves, try to work out what it is that will bring ultimate pleasure and enjoyment and satisfaction to our hearts so that we can pursue these things in our lives. Is that true? I can't imagine my pet dog having these kinds of inner dialogues, but human beings uh, do this all the time, and I suspect that it's the same with you and me. But what sort of things does the Preacher King pursue in his ultimate quest for pleasure and enjoyment and satisfaction in life. Well, notice that the first thing he pursues in the the Ecclesiastes passage is that of whining and dining and laughing. Now, I don't think the king here is pursuing, uh, you know, a wild party lifestyle full of drugs and alcohol and mind-bending substances. Or you can see there in verse 3 that his heart is guiding him with wisdom. In other words, he wants to think straight because he really wants to test whether this is the best way to live in this life. And so what he is pursuing here is the lifestyle of whining and dining and socialising. It's it's the foodie culture, if you like. Uh, It's high society living. Uh, you can just imagine the king getting together with his uh, high profile friends, indulging in Michelin star restaurants, and opening bottles of Penfold's Grange while laughing and chatting with his friends well into the night, can't you? However, notice that he begins to tire of this lifestyle. Uh, he says in verse 2 what, what use are these things? In other words, What does this kind of lifestyle actually achieve in the end? Not very much, it seems. And so he begins to pursue the next big thing, which is to embark upon huge building projects. Now, again, uh, we need to remember that uh, the preacher king here is a great and powerful king. And so this isn't just some small bathroom renovation that he uh, undertakes. Rather, you can see there in verse 4 that he makes great works. He builds multiple royal residences. He plants vineyards. He makes gardens and parks. He builds pools and entire irrigation systems that water his whole estate. But again, as he finishes his great building projects and looks out over his vast estate and the work of his hands, he feels that it's not enough. And so he begins to pursue the next big thing, which for him are status symbols. Now, uh, what are the status symbols in, in our world? Well, perhaps for us, you know, status symbols might be the waterfront home in Double Bay uh, with a BMW parked in the driveway and uh, a Land Rover uh, to do the, the, the school runs. But here, notice this, that the king speaks of the status symbols of his own day. Uh, in verse 7, he buys male and female servants to wait on him. He purchases the largest cattle and sheep farm in Jerusalem. Uh, in verse 8, he starts to accumulate gold and silver and treasure fit for a king. And, and my personal favourite, he buys singers. Did you notice Uh, That is, rather than go out to watch a BTS concert, here he simply buys BTS (laughs) to perform for him whenever he wants. I mean, the wealth and power and influence of this man uh, was simply staggering. And uh, finally, notice the last thing the king pursues in his pleasure uh, experiment uh, is right there at the end. Uh, It's sexual delights. In verse 8, he says that he had many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. Uh, If this king was uh, the great King Solomon, who was one of the the greatest kings in Israel, uh, as many people think he is, then uh, we know that he had 300 wives and 700 concubines. You know, the mind boggles, doesn't it? Uh, I mean, even if he slept with just one wife or concubine every night of his life, well, it would still take him three years to get through his whole harem of women. Uh, Here is a king who was experiencing every sexual and erotic desire known to man. And so there's the pleasure experiment. Our preacher King has wined and dined and laughed with the best of them. He has built a career in construction. He has built up his his wealth and has enough in his retirement savings to last several lifetimes. He has experienced every, every entertainment known to man. He has had more sex than anyone can imagine. But at the end of all this, what is his verdict on what life has been like and what it has done for his heart. Well, you can see his verdict there in verse 11, can't you? He says this, he says, Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Our Preacher King is not exactly a motivational speaker, is he? It's not the kind of positive evaluation of life that perhaps we were expecting. But can you see what he's saying? Firstly, he's saying that all these things he has experienced in his life has been vanity. Now, that that sounds quite negative to us, doesn't it? Uh, Some Bible translations have the word meaningless here, which uh, sounds even more negative, doesn't it? But it's not as negative as it might sound. For in the Old Testament, the word for vanity uh, simply means a mist or a fog or a vapour. You might remember that in the colder months of Sydney, uh, we are sometimes blanketed by a thick mist which covers the city. Do you remember the last time that happened in our city? Uh, It's actually quite a beautiful thing, isn't it, when you uh, look out uh, over the mist. But the thing about mists is that they are only ever temporary. They are here one minute, and by midday they are gone. There's no substance to it, in other words. That's what the king is saying here. Uh, The things he has experienced has given him pleasure, no doubt, but it has only been temporary. Uh, The pleasure was never lasting in the way that his heart so desired and longed for. But secondly, did you notice that the king finds this pursuit of pleasure so very tiring? He calls it striving after the wind. My friends, uh, do you feel tired of life? It's even become a part of our greeting, hasn't it? You know, how are you going? I feel tired. (laughs) We say it all the time. You know, recently a research agency did a large survey where many people were asked what they would do if they had more time. Now, do you know what most people said? 85% of the people surveyed said if they had more time, they would sleep. Why is it that we feel like this? Why are we so tired and exhausted and empty all the time? It's not that there is anything wrong with feeling tired, of course. I mean, Jesus got tired. But he got tired by faithfully serving God. We get tired in a a very different way, don't we? We get tired in a way that leaves us feeling drained and exhausted and empty in our lives. Why is it that we feel like this all the time? Well, friends, uh, here's where I think there is a great insight from God's word in this passage. did you notice that in the King's Pleasure Experiment, there are lots of references to gardens and parks and fruit trees and forests? Did you notice that? But what does that remind you of? Well, in the broad sweep of the Bible, it ought to remind us of the Garden of Eden, which was that paradise that humanity first dwelt in, before humanity sinned and rebelled against God. In other words, what the king is trying to do here is not simply enjoy the pleasures of life. Rather, he's trying to fix his life, you see. He's trying to make, it, uh, trying to make his life the paradise that the Garden of Eden was meant to be. And so for him, a party was not just a party. Work was not just work. Money was not just money. Sex was not just sex. No, on all these things, he had laid on the burden of fixing life for him. And in the process, he had worn himself out. He had damaged himself. And he had most probably damaged others as well. You see, for instance, that, that's why our FOMO is so exhausting. I mean, what happens when you see those photos of your friends and holidays and children on your social media feed? Friends are no longer friends that you can enjoy. Holidays are not just holidays that give you refreshment. Children are not just children. But they become a way of trying to fix your life. You think, if only I can have these things, my life will be fixed. But because you and I simply cannot fix our lives, we just move from one thing to another, thinking that if I can just have that next pleasure or that next enjoyment or experience, then my life will be whole, my life will be fixed. Is that true? You know, we might think like this even during lockdown. I wonder whether you've had these sort of thoughts during lockdown. What are the things that you are so longing for in your life that if you think, that you think if, if only I can get that after lockdown, then my life will be all okay? Is it eating out? Is it overseas holidays? Is it getting a promotion? Is it getting my, my children to the best schools? I mean, don't get me wrong. These are all good things. What God is saying here is that none of these things, if you pursue, will fix your life. And you will find that even after lockdown, life will not just smooth out. But in many cases, might even be more difficult than it is now. You know, thinking like this is tiring. <laughs> it's exhausting. And it's ultimately futile. Now, that's what the preacher king has come to see. And I wonder whether you can see it as well. Well, friends, I hope you can see the failure of the preacher king's pleasure ex- experiment as he realizes that he simply cannot fix his life through more pleasure. And so what does he do? Well, I want you to see that at the very end of our chapter, uh, which was the part that Ankita uh, read out for us, uh, what we see is the king turning to God the God who can fix his life. I'll pick it up from verse 24. Verse 24, where the king says, There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat and who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner... He has given the business of gathering and collecting, only to give to the one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. And notice that our preacher king turns to God here. He realises that he can't fix his own life, and so he turns to the one who can. Rather than living life for his own pleasure, in his very own pleasure experiment, Well, notice that he starts talking about pleasing God. (laughs) But when the king turns to God, can you see there that marvelously, wisdom and knowledge and joy come flooding in? Whereas sinners, that is, those uh, ones who continue to reject and ignore God in their lives, will only be reduced to gathering and collecting things in this world before losing everything in the end, says the preacher king. That's one of the great, great paradoxes in the Bible, isn't it? You pursue your own pleasure in order to fix your life, and all you will find is a sense of fleeting emptiness and exhaustion. But if you pursue God in order to find your life in him, and you will find wisdom and knowledge and joy. Some of you know this already from your own experience. Some of you have already had a taste of what this is like. But further, notice that having turned to God, the king can actually find greater enjoyment in his life. You know, previously, wine had become more than just wine. Work had become more than just work. Money had become more than money. Sex had become more than sex because these were ways in which he was attempting to fix his life. But once he turns to God and trusts in him to fix his life, well, suddenly wine turns back into wine again, if I can put it that way. Work turns back into work Money turns back into money. Sex turns back into sex. And it says there that the king can find enjoyment in these things because suddenly they are not burdened with the task of fixing life for him, but he can receive all these things as generous gifts from the God who loves him and who can fix his life. Friends, do you and I have FOMO? In this age of social media, it's very difficult to not feel a sense of missing out on life as we see the wonderfully airbrushed lives of others all the time. Uh, just the other day, I was browsing an online Christian bookstore and I noticed that uh, at the corner of, down on the corner of the screen, there were little messages popping up telling me uh, which books other people were buying in other parts of the world. Have you seen that happen on online stores? Uh, it's said someone in the USA just purchased this best-selling book. Someone in London has just purchased another best-selling book. Someone in Sydney has just purchased this book. And I couldn't feel, help but uh, feel that I was missing out on life somehow. I hope you can see that the reason we often feel this way is because in the end, we think that these things will fix our lives, and we so desperately want to fix our life ourselves. We've been thinking this morning about a preacher king who couldn't fix his life. (laughs) Even with all his power and wealth and influence in ways that you and I can only imagine, he could not fix his life and all he was left with as he pursued pleasure was a sense of vanity and exhaustion. But the story of the Bible is of another preacher king who can and will fix life for those who turn to him. Unlike the king in Ecclesiastes, this king did not use the opportunities of life to please himself, rather to please God and to serve us by dying on a cross, to lift the curse of sin and to bring in the new creation. That is to bring in God's promised day in the future when he will fix all that is wrong in this world, including all that is wrong in your life and my life. It will be the time when our heart's longing for our lives to be fixed will be profoundly quenched. In our New Testament reading today, Jesus describes this in terms of living water. Uh, he speaks to a woman who, if you read through that passage, has been trying to fix her life by going from relationship to relationship, husband to husband, sexual uh, delight to sexual delight. I was probably feeling a sense of vanity and exhaustion. And here Jesus offers this woman living water. That, that is, Jesus offers to quench The thirst and longing and desire to have life fixed in a way that starts now will go on for all eternity. That, friends, if you long for a life that is better than the one that you have today, then Jesus says it is coming. (laughs) But it is only coming for those who trust Him and repent or turn away from their previous life of rejecting and ignoring God in their lives, is only available for those who turn to God and and go to him. And so will you do that this morning? Will you put your trust in Jesus, who by dying on the cross for your sins, has uh, promises to fix not only your greatest problem which is a broken relationship with God because of sin, but to return one day to fix this world and to fix your life and my life forever if we would only turn to him. And will you repent or turn from your life of ignoring God, especially the arrogant assumption that we don't need Jesus in order to fix our lives? That arrogant assumption that says I can do it on my own without God in my life or Jesus in my life. For it is only in Jesus that we can ultimately be freed from the fear of missing out. Because in him, we will not ultimately miss out, but have living water as he has promised. A living water that will quench the deep thirsts and longings of our hearts, that starts now but will be fully realised when he returns. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for speaking to us through your word this morning, and we thank you especially for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that as the King of heaven and earth, he did not live for his own pleasure, but for your pleasure, and to serve us by dying on the cross for our sins. Father, we thank you for the great promise in the Bible that those who turn to Jesus by trusting him and turning away from a life of rejection and ignorance of you, that we will be given living water that quenches the thirsts of our hearts. Thank you that one day we know that he will return to fix all that is wrong in this world and all that is wrong in us. And so we pray this morning that you would help us to see clearly the futility of a life that pursues pleasure as the ultimate end and that you would help us to live rather for Jesus as our king, knowing that in him is wisdom and knowledge and real and everlasting joy. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen.